to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2. Glory to God. We'll talk tonight about the move of the Spirit. The move of the Spirit. Uh, praise God. The Lord stirred me up uh, talking to me about the move of the Spirit, that there is a move of the Spirit to be had. And uh, on the surface, depending on where you're at in life, where you're at in your journey with Jesus, I don't know, it's possible you might say, why do I care? <laughs> why should I care about the move of the Spirit? Well, you know, meditating on that, uh, getting ready, it came up in my heart. You know, the move of the Spirit, number one, magnifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in the earth to make Jesus known to the lost, to us. He is to reveal Jesus, communicate for Jesus. Jesus said about the coming of the Holy Spirit that, that He wouldn't come to speak about Himself. That's not what He's about. But to take what He hears from the Lord and relay that to us. He's not here to magnify Himself. Though He could, He's God. But He is on a mission to draw the lost to God. Amen. As we preach the Word, He confirms that Word to the lost by convicting them of sin, of making the reality known in people's hearts that they need a Savior and that they're a sinner and that there's hope for us. Amen. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. But even as children of God, even especially as we're children of God, you know, uh, what we do once we're born again is we ought to be pursuing a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And you're not going to have one without the Holy Ghost. Well, I have the Word. Who wrote that? Who authored that? All Scripture came by inspiration of the Spirit. And no man can really understand the Word of God by reading it mentally alone. Unless the Holy Spirit inspires He's called the teacher. He wrote the word. He lives within us and he will enlighten us to the truths of the word. Amen. He will guide us. He knows right where we're at. It's just like after I uh, really, you know, that first real season in my life as a college student where I got on fire for God and I got into my 1988 uh, Methodist Bible my daddy gave me. And it's like it didn't matter where I was. All I could see during that season of my life didn't matter what passage I seemed to read, all I could see was the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And that's because He's shining a big light. Because He's trying to emphasize, He's trying to get something. I'm reading the Word, but see, it's the Holy Ghost that is leading me, prompting me, and emphasizing certain things that I needed right then. Amen. And that's, that's true, praise God, no matter uh, where you're at and how further you go you know, in your, in your life with the Word. Without the Holy Ghost, it's just words on a page. It just becomes a dry religious book without the Holy Ghost. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He said, you know, some like to read the Bible in Hebrew and some like to read it in Greek, but I like to read it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. In other words, he liked to be led by the Spirit and enlightened by the Spirit into the Word. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So why should I care about the phrase, the move of the Spirit? I got a lot going on in my life. Number one, the Holy Ghost will magnify and reveal Jesus more. Amen. And I don't care what 
you're wanting or needing in your life personally, Jesus is your answer. Knowing Him more, drawing on Him more, come on, living closer to Him, that's only going to help you in a radical way. Amen? But then secondly, it came up in my heart meditating this afternoon that the move of the Spirit always promotes and advances us. When, I, when the Holy Spirit, the move of the Spirit, you could just shuffle those words around. When the Spirit moves, when the Spirit moves, you get help. When the Spirit moves, you get understanding. When the Spirit moves, you get answers. When the Spirit moves, you get miracles. When the Spirit moves, things happen. When the Spirit moves, bills get paid. When the Spirit moves, depression flees away. When the Spirit moves, bodies get healed. When the Spirit moves, victory, right? So that's why we ought to care. We want Jesus to be magnified, come on, in the earth. And when the Holy Ghost moves, we're blessed. Our lives are helped. Right? So there is a move of the Spirit to be had in your life individually. There's a move of the Spirit to be had and experienced in the flow of your home as a family. Right? And we've, we've been having that. The Cody's have been. You know, the Lord's been training us, the whole family. And not just, you know, he's been like recently, we had, uh, you know, a, a wave of darkness just try to come in and, and land and it affected the whole family and everybody felt it. We didn't even talk about it to each other, but everybody felt it. Amen. And then my son, uh, Sunday after the Sunday morning service his dad, man, I'm so glad I was sitting in the chair because in the first 30 seconds of your sermon, you gave me my answer. You gave me my, I got my answer. God gave me my answer. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, when we got that bad news as a family, uh, you know, uh, a sadness seemed to come over me. And then I was attacked trying to go to bed in my mind. And the attack that he said that came to his mind was, why don't you just quit? Well, I talked about the, was right, faith that won't quit always wins. And, uh, but see, you know, obviously that's not God, but see, as a whole family, we're learning we're having to be trained how to recognize the enemy's attacks, how to recognize when something from the enemy shows up, and how to combat that, right? How to combat that, how to come again, and that, that, that thing's been expelled, right? The whole thing's been expelled, because you see, in our home, the, the Word is not just a part of our church life, the Word is a part of our home life. And so, you know, we just united together, right? Because we're all affected and praise God, moving together, moving in the Spirit. Moving in the Spirit. Amen. And instead of dealing with, you know, depressing things and heavy-weighted things, everybody's back light, back laughing, back moving, going the right direction. Praise God. Amen. See, it's the Word and the Spirit in a home. And, and you, we need, I don't care if you live by yourself or you've got a family of a lot, you know. There ought to be a move of the Spirit to a degree, to an ever-increasing degree in your home. Amen. But come on, then there is a move of the Spirit for this church. Yes. And I've been reminded recently why we are even here at 3250 Steel Road in West Paducah, Kentucky. And that is because in 2004, in a little humble building in Jackson Street where we used to have church, the word of the Lord came to me and said, I want you to relocate your ministry. 
I want you to relocate your ministry and get in position for a last day move of my spirit. Amen? And so this, that is a defining statement that, we shouldn't, that I shouldn't, that we should never forget. There's a lot God's going to have us do. Amen? But we are a church that is to be reaching for, longing for, and moving ever further into a flow and a move of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Jesus will be magnified and people's lives will be changed. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so I want to say some things to us just to stir the pot a little bit. Is that okay? And if that's all we do for the remaining time is stir the pot a little. Amen. Then we will have done something worthwhile. Hallelujah. What the Lord brought to my attention um, uh, a couple of weeks ago is, you know, how did this whole thing get started? The church age. Now, if, you're, if you have it in your mind or heart, don't forget I'm going to teach in the Sunday school class a new topic going forward called End Times for Dummies. <laughs> and we don't mean to insult you. You know those little books, right? I don't know how to use it. I'm going to go get that book, in, you know, uh, Computers for Dummies. Yeah. In other words, I, I buy that book not because I think I'm dumb, but they're telling me they're going to make it simple, yeah. right? And so, and so that'll be our goal. And, uh, but... Uh, you know, the age of the church, the church was initiated, it was birthed, it was born with a, an event that marked out that moment, marked out that time where we know when the church got going. Amen? And uh, so he brought me back to that. And it's Pentecost. It's Pentecost. Amen? And uh, so let's look at a passage. Peter stands up after the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 15, it says, For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. And it shall come to pass. And he quotes the prophecy from the Old Testament in the book of Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and in signs in the earth beneath, Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. That's a reference to the day of the Lord, which is used many times in the Old and New Testament and it's referring to a still coming day of judgment on planet earth. Well, we know before the day of the Lord come, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And since we know, uh, and I may touch on it back in that uh, Sunday school time, uh, you know, how do we know that the day of the Lord hadn't happened yet? Well, that's a whole teaching, but it's, it's evident it hadn't. And so one of the things that that tells us is before 
it does, there is a move of the Spirit to be experienced on planet Earth. Amen. And so that's still for us today. Praise the Lord. In verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, much could uh, be said about that. And we're going to just kind of pause, though. Turn in your Bible to Ecclesiastes. We'll be coming back to Acts, Lord willing. But turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And I, I want to give you a, uh, a prophetic key, if you will. A, a key to unlocking and understanding prophetic events and how God thinks about things. So, while you're turning there, you know Ecclesiastes is the book after Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're seeing, we saw how God started the church, how he started the age of the church. What I want to show you is, you know, prophets have said, modern prophets, biblical prophets have said that before the Lord come for his church, there'll be a, there'll be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that from a number of ways. I'm going to show you one, one way that we know that that is true. Amen. How did the church age start? With an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now hold that and keep that in mind. Ecclesiastes 1.9. Writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, Solomon writes this. The thing that has been is the thing that shall be. And the thing that, uh, and that which, excuse me. The thing that has been, it is which shall be. And, the, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Amen. King James kind of tripped me up there. But do you see what he's saying? He said the thing that has been, meaning in the past, the thing that has been in the past is the thing that shall be. That which has been will be again. Are you with me? Let me read this to you from the God's Word translation. Whatever has happened before will happen again. Whatever has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. The New Living Translation says, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Right? Now go to Isaiah 46. Y'all out there? Isaiah 46 and verse 10. <clears throat> Isaiah 46, 10. From the King James, talking about God, talking about our Father. He says, declaring the end from the beginning. You ought to note that verse. God declares the end from the beginning. And notice this, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So here we have two verses that will give you prophetic, how, to, how to understand and interpret God in prophetic things. Right? God lives and exists outside of time. Right now, God's in your past. Right now, God's in your present, and He's already experienced the fullness of your future. Amen. And because 
He knows the future. He'll, at the beginning, He'll, he'll declare the end. It's like from the beginning of a movie, the writer knew the end and they gave clues in the beginning that revealed the end, right? And so if we as believers want some insight into how things will end, we know now, right, how God thinks about things. The thing that has been is the thing that will be. The thing that has been done in the past will be done again. And that if you want to hear God declare the end of a thing, just go read the beginning. Are you with me? We're going to go somewhere tonight. Praise God. So, how is this age? We know we're living in the last days. There's something on the inside that there's just an awareness. Things are not going to continue down this road forever. Right? Uh, there is a category, the world knows it, that we're running full speed ahead toward an ending of some sort. The age of this, the age, not the world is not going to end. The Bible never teaches the world is going to end. That word world in the King James is the word eon, right? Eon, aeos in the Greek, and it means eon. It means this time frame will end. And so people think we're just going to be under grace forever. The world. No. No. There is a time frame. Has a beginning and it has end when men are going to hear the gospel preached and have a chance to respond to it. To reject sin, to reject Satan, to be forgiven and redeemed. But that's not going to go on forever. Amen. Well, is there anything that we can glean, anything that we can discover about the end, how it's going to end. I don't want to preach my Sunday school lesson yet, but Matthew 24, Jesus talks about signs. But right here from the beginning, we know something critically important because of Isaiah 46 and Ecclesiastes 1.9 that the way the church began is the way the church is going to end. How did the church begin? With an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So you could go back to Acts chapter 2. Amen? What I want to, where I'm going with this is, is that God is endeavoring and has been for a long time to get the church over in this move. Now you can believe what you want to and I respect it. But in my studies, I am not one of these people that sees in the scriptures or believes that God's got a time out there, a day on the calendar. And it doesn't matter what the church does, doesn't matter what the world does, when that clock winds out, He's coming back. Now He knows it because, again, of His foresight and His foreknowledge. Amen? But no, I'm, the church has got to do the right thing. The church has got to do the right thing. Amen? Christ moves through His body. And if the body doesn't get it done, then the body, it's not going to get done in the earth. Keep your finger here. We'll flip, just flip back to it. But go over to James with me real quick. James chapter 5. It's okay if we turn a few passages? James chapter 5. Verse number 7. <clears throat> it says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman, that's the Lord, he waiteth. He's waiting. 
Is he waiting for his calendar day to come? That's not what it says. It says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Well, who's who's supposed to be getting the precious fruit of the earth in? The church is. We're the ones supposed to be out there witnessing. We're the ones supposed to be out there telling people about Jesus, that God's not mad at the world anymore, that Jesus came and died for their sin. Be reconciled unto God. When was the last time you did anything like that? We all need to step that up in witnessing to people. But here we can see the stance stance of our Father from heaven. What's He doing? Waiting. He's waiting. He didn't say we're waiting. He says He's waiting. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. Doesn't sound like He's in a hurry. See, I wish the Lord would come back already. I'm already, I want to go see, you know, Judah's gummy bear mansion in heaven. That's an inside deal if you don't know that. Praise God. It's one of these little kids I know. He says, I can't wait to go to heaven. I'm going to kiss Jesus on the lips and I'm going to live in a gummy bear mansion. That's what he said. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let's get back to this. The Lord's waiting and he's long patient for this until he received what? The early and the latter rain. Now, the phrase early rain and latter rain is a prophetic inference to an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the early rain happened already. He's received the early rain. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. You can go back there. Acts chapter 2, I think. We'll go back there. (laughs) Hallelujah. But see, now he's waiting for the, the latter rain. The end time rain. Amen. You see, in Israel, they relied on the spring rains and the fall rains. They would plant in anticipation that God would bless them in the planting time with the spring rains. But then right in through the dry summer season, they would pray and believe God for the latter rain. The latter rain to be poured out right before harvest time. There would come a short rainy season in the fall in, the, in the Israel that would maximize, that would help those crops maximize their yield. Right? So God poured out and there was a great revival and mass salvation and signs, wonders, and miracles at the beginning. That's the early rain. As the church was planted. As the church was established. Amen? Now God's waiting for the latter rain. Come on, there's going to be a last day outpouring of the Spirit of God right before the harvest of the earth Fully, it's going to maximize the yield of God's harvest of souls. And God's waiting for it. He's waiting for it. He's long patient for it. So He's endeavoring to get us into this latter rain move. And the church is dragging its feet. The church doesn't want to go. The church, in fact, has adopted worldly methods. The church has gone an absolutely different direction. Amen. Amen. Let me give you, well, let's read this first and then we'll see if I have time to give you a little history lesson here. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? Okay, so the end prophesies the beginning. History's going to repeat itself. The thing that has been done is going to think the thing that's going to be done again. Well, let's just look tonight. How did this revival start? 
What was the initiating? What was the spark that lit the fire? You know, a little bit later on in the book of Acts, right? Peter's shadow started healing people. Now that's a move. His shadow, when it landed on a sick person, healed him. And they would lay the sick just in the street. And that Peter's shadow would pass by. And never before and never again that I know about has God moved on a man to heal like that, in that way. So, many the revival that we read about in the book of Acts, things progressed, things happened. But we want to start tonight. How did it start? Because the way it started then is the way it's going to start in this age. And that's what we have to know about and be willing to move into. Because God moves in stages and God moves in steps. And we might like the healing part of the revival, but we're never going to get to that flow like He wants us to. We're going to repeat history. Well, what did He emphasize back then? Well, let's read about this in Acts 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were uh, all with one accord in one place. Now here's something I want to say. Praise God. If you want to be in on the beginning of the greatest move of God the planet will ever see, don't look at the masses. This did not start with the majority. Right? Don't look at, man, please don't look at what the majority of the body of Christ is out there doing. You're going to miss it for sure. What do you do? How did this start? You got 120 people shut up in a room, hungry for God in prayer. And the greatest move of God that was ever recorded, right, up until that day, happened with a bunch of no-name people in a real, in a small group. The minority, the remnant, the majority showed up asking questions, right? We're not going to get into this move following, uh, you know, mainstream Christianity out there and the church growth model because they're moving the wrong direction. They're going, they're not in the right place. They're not seeking the right thing, (laughs) Right. So here we see right in the beginning, number one, they were together. You've got to prioritize in this last day being together. Being together. Being together. And we're going to have to fight like everything because we live in the most distracted. We live in the most pressing, the busiest. And it's just if you don't or if you're not on it, all of us just be overwhelmed with tasks and events and places to go and things to do. And oh, my God. And we got to watch it. we got to fight against that influence. Or we're going to miss the great move of God. And we'll be showing up going, what is this? And someone anointed with the Holy Ghost will say, this is that. And you missed it. <laughs> right? Amen. And then notice this. They were all of one accord. In other words, the remnant that were gathered, they were in agreement. You didn't have 60 people saying, it don't take all that. They didn't have 15 of them going, wanting to split the church, saying, we don't, we don't need this move of God. Let's just be, uh, let's settle down, simmer down here. All of them, 120. They didn't know what it would look like, but they're there because Jesus said. 
stay in Jerusalem and don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. They're expecting power to come on them. Amen? And they're all in agreement with that. They're all in it. God's looking for a, a people that will say, we don't know exactly, but we're looking for power. We're looking for God to pour power out on us. Come on, amen? Could your life be blessed with a little dose of power? God's power? Wow. Amen. So let's keep reading. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. So if you were in that room, you would have seen it. (laughs) This divided tongue of flame sitting upon the head of everybody in that room. Amen. They'd be like, what is that? Hallelujah. And they were all what? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How'd this outpouring begin? God's declaring the end from the beginning. How did it begin? With an infilling. With an infilling of the Holy Ghost. And believers speaking with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. If we want to get into the beginning of the end, we're going to have to go back to Pentecost. We're going to to have to go back to being spirit-filled. We're going to have to go back to being freshly hungry for a new and fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost and speak forth in other tongues. But that's tongues. See, people, you lose a lot of people right there. When you say tongue, you lose. See, don't look at the majority. Don't look at the majority. You're going to miss it. You better stay with the Word. Don't look at what the majority's doing. Come on. God's going to pour out on a remnant. And tongues was the first that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues. And it was the match that they threw on the hay that ignited the greatest move of God in recorded history up until that time. The baptism with the Holy Ghost. But listen, there's some other things that were seen in this first outpouring that we need to understand and be willing to move into because it's the beginning stage. It's the first wave. I don't know everything that will come after. I'm not trying to put God in a box, but I'm telling you from those prophetic insights and what the Holy Ghost reminded me of, He said, I told you how to initiate, how to get into the latter rain, how to make it start raining. Just go back to the beginning and start there. Where do you start on anything? At the beginning. Right? At the beginning. And so let's keep reading verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now this was noised abroad. In other words, the news went out and the multitude came together and were confounded because that, that, uh, that every man heard them speak, the 120 speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and they marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue 
wherein we were born, Parthenian and Mede and Eliamite, and dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, all these places, right? Cretes, Arabian. Notice this. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, Now notice this. These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These are not drunk as you think they are. In other words, he said, it's not what it looks like. Not what it looks like. He said, don't you realize, right? It's the third hour of the day. In other words, the bars aren't even open yet. That's what Peter said. They can't be drunk. The bars are not even open. But this that you're seeing is that that the prophets spoke about. See, we have prophets that have been speaking about the latter time. He's pointing back to the prophet. He's talking about that early rain. And Joel talked about the latter rain too. So see, here again, the beginning of this thing is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, living full of the Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And then notice there are these manifestations that came at the beginning, the very beginning of this outpouring. Right? You could tell from Peter's words, right? They were amazed. They had questions. And Peter said, these are not drunk like you think they are, like you suppose. What do you think would have made them think that they were drunk. They acted drunk. They looked drunk. They acted drunk. Now, I mean, I'm not proud of it. Don't think that I am, but I've got some earthly B.C. before Christ experience with alcohol. And don't look at you. You don't look at me with all that holy voice because some of you out there... Could give me a witness. But I know what it's like to be drunk, intoxicated, stumbling around. Well, the Spirit of God so moved upon them. This was, this, we're probably not going to get too much further. This was a move of the Spirit. And notice it wasn't a deep, deep, we're not really far into the move of the Spirit. This is how it started. Hallelujah. Are you willing to get drunk? You need to. You need to. I mean, you need to get tanked up. Sauced. Local pastor. 
video clip teaches his congregation, you need to get drunk. I said it. I said it. I have scripture for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, listen, so many will say, not doing that. No way. Well, see how, see how fast you could shut down a move of the Holy Ghost? When you, when you say no at the beginning, my God, you're not going <laughs> to... Right? So this, these are the things that the church is... God's endeavoring to get the church full. He's endeavoring to get the church out of their pride. And out of their mind. Right? To a place where they will learn how to yield to Him. And respond to Him. And be refreshed. Hallelujah. You know, in the natural, why do sinners uh, drink wine in excess? Why do they get drunk? They like the feeling of it. I never drank because I was depressed. I liked it. I'll just be honest with you. Remember what I said? If, the, if I ever can ever prove the Bible wrong, I'm going back to drink a beer. Why? Because I liked it. I liked it. I didn't like the consequences. I didn't like the destruction. But in the moment, I could just drink my cares away, baby. Right? I mean, for that time, life's great. And I've just, I've just learned this from the Lord. God never intended... For you to live your Christian life sober. That's right. He never did. He never did. He never did. No, he never did. We should be the most carefree, joyful, right? Glory. Hallelujah. And listen, I'm not trying to make anything happen tonight. I'm just trying to let you see the beginning. The beginning, could we just be blunt? You know that's my style, is get drunk. Get full. Get filled. Stop living your life empty. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Let Him fill you. And whatever full looks like, when you get full, let it be. They had never experienced this before. Never. They were all, and right, and they said, they have, they have taken themselves a good dip of the new wine. Right? So no, although they already have their clip if they want it, praise God. But I'm not talking about drinking alcohol. And neither was Peter. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. The Bible says in Isaiah that God will pour water upon him who is thirsty. Ha, come on, not him who's religious, but he will pour water on the one that's thirsty. Hallelujah, praise God. And listen, we're living in difficult days. And, and Paul said by the Spirit that in the last days, perilous times will come. Difficult times, times of pressure, times of distress. Are we telling me the world has an outlet, but God doesn't have an outlet for His people? No, He has an outlet for His people. And see, if we say no to the beginning, we can never get to phase two. We can never get to, 
You know, see, you wanna, we want to emphasize the healings and the miracles. And Paul, later in the book of Acts, putting his hand on a cloth, and that cloth gets put on a demonically possessed person, and the demon is driven out, and that person's delivered. Or they're sick and infirm, and that cloth that he laid hands on, he laid upon the sick person, and it drove out the sickness, and they're healed. Or Peter's shadow. Or even Acts chapter 3 was right after this, right? Where they pick up the lame man who'd never walked before, lifted him up, and said, right? Such as I have, give I thee, rise up and walk. And he was healed. Listen, that's where we want to get to, right? That's where we want to get to. We want to get to the, the mass salvations like in Acts chapter 8 where Philip stands up under the unction and he does miracles. He does signs and wonders. People are healed. And the whole city of Samaria comes to the Lord. The whole city of Samaria comes to Jesus and has revival. But how did they get there? They got drunk. They got full. Come on. And see this, we know a little bit about this and God God wants a people. He wants to. Can he have one place in Paducah? Who's willing to reach for the beginning, for the first phase? Hallelujah. Praise God. You'll be blessed individually. When you're not carrying all that care, you don't have all that stress in you, and you're full of the Holy Ghost, and you're really sweet and positive. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. I want it. I want God. I want the revival. I want the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if y'all don't know it, I'm white. Y'all know that? I'm white. I'm conservative. Can you tell by my dress? I'm conservative. I'm even a registered Republican. And so, and I was raised Methodist. Not ashamed of it. And if, if God can get the white man, the preppy conservative, Methodist registered Republican, over in the flow of the Holy Ghost, there's hope for you, my brother. There's hope for you, my sister. Hallelujah. And see, here's the history lesson in nine minutes. Praise God. We've aborted, we've, we've gotten over, the, I'm talking about the body of Christ. We've gotten over into this latter rain and killed it. Not yesterday. In the 80s, in the 1990s, under the leadership of Kenneth e. Hagin. And what God did, right? He had the body of Christ over deep into phase one, outpouring flow, latter time, right? And we aborted it. We're not supposed to be where we are in the church, dry, with half-empty auditoriums, nobody getting saved, few people getting healed, and a lot of Christians just getting fat on the Word and bless themselves but not blessing anybody else. Right? Right? How many of you in this room were born after 1995? Raise your hand. After 1995. Oh, come on, there's more. Born after 1995? 93? All of these kids? 
Listen, I'm just saying there's a whole generation that's come, right? Look, if you were born in 1990, you're, you're, you were too young to know. There's a whole generation that's come and come grown and now are leaders in the body of Christ. They have no idea what God did. They have no idea. So I'll tell you. I'll just tell you. Over there in the 90s, Amber and I, uh, I don't know, my first winter, Brother Hagen, their ministry, they had two major meetings a year that they hosted <laughs> at the Tulsa, Tulsa headquarters. They had camp meeting at the convention center in June or July, and I never went to one of those. Um, but we always went to their winter meeting, winter Bible seminar, in January and late February, early February, every year. And we st- I started going in, I'm going to say 95. And I went 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. To, and, and was there when Brother Hagin gave that last prophecy. And I'll just tell you some of the moves we had. There, there were, in that move, thousands of people stood outline in, outside in the cold. Doors open at, I don't know, 6, 1 o'clock you started lining up. Thousands of people standing outside to go to church in line. Yeah, not too long ago, it was like that. People hungry, people thirsty, people pressing. And I don't know, when that building's totally full, maybe five, 6,000 people pressing into there, overflow rooms and everything. And a group of five or 6,000 people would break out dancing in the Holy Ghost. Laughter, joy would break out. Five and six thousand people. And getting so, they would, there's a running, there's a dancing, there's a rejoicing. We've had flows of it, right? And I'm not saying when we come to church, we ought to hang off the chandeliers every Sunday. We don't. But see, there's a move of the Spirit to be had. And this was, this wasn't the height of it. This was to be the beginning, the launch point. And the body of Christ kind of got, got over into that. Not just through camp, but in other camps. Rodney Howard Brown. Anybody know who Rodney Howard Brown is? Yeah, he was a, a missionary from South Africa to America now. And he came over and had meetings. And I saw this with my eyes. A friend of mine and I, we went to uh, uh, a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. It was a daytime meeting. and I was in outside sales. So I should have been knocking on doors trying to sell copiers. But I went to the Rodney Howard Brown meeting instead. <laughs> Father, forgive me. But anyway, and I was there. And it was a wonderful meeting, but there's, it was at a convention center. So when the crowds left, it was a huge hallway leading to the outside. And I, I'm walking down the hall. You know, it's over. And out ahead of me, I see a crowd beginning to form. Hmm. And so as I got closer, I noticed a man frozen like this. And his eyes were gone like a dead man. And he just stood there. He was transfixed. He had just got frozen. Well, that'd make you stop and wonder. And people did. And a crowd had begun to gather. And if they got too close to him, Brother Russell, they fell out under the power of God. People tried to do that, and they fell out under the power of God. And before long, there's a big pile of people <laughs> fallen under the power of God. And I said, I'm still new. I'm, like, I'm curious. But I'm like, uh, no, I'm staying over here. <laughs> but I want to see this. And we stood there and watched this sign, this wonder take place. 
He was there 10 or 12 minutes like that. Never breathed. Never blinked. Never moved a muscle. And then all of a sudden, like someone flipped it, he went like that and just walked off and left everybody standing there. Totally oblivious to anything having ever happened. Saw it. You think that's something? History tells us that earlier in the 19th century, 20th century, a woman named uh, Amy Simple McPherson, was that her? I don't know if that was her. I think it was Catherine Kuhlman, Mariah Woodsworth Eder. She's preaching along in like a theater type auditorium, and she's preaching a sermon, and she goes like this, and she freezes. Just like that guy. You know how long she was like that? Three days and nights. She never went to the bathroom. How's that work? <laughs> Three days and read about it. It's a recorded over a hundred thousand people in that city, sinners mostly, lined up to, to walk through and to witness this miracle. And after three days and nights, she was there and preached and finished preaching her sermon. See, these things aren't new. But to the generation that comes up now, you know what they call the move of God? Funky lights. Casual church. 40-minute services. Wear your shorts and your tank top. Smoke machines. They really think that's the latest, greatest move, the cutting edge of what church should be. See, you lost people like me. Now, I wasn't there for Azusa, and I wasn't there for the healing revival, and I wasn't there in the book of Acts, neither were you. None of us were, obviously. But I have seen a few things. You know, over in Ezra, you could read a passage where these Israelites that were banished came back into the land. Solomon's temple, that glorious temple, had been destroyed. The young generation had never seen it. They grew up in captivity. And God led them, and they, they laid the foundation of the new temple. And when they got the structure going, the young people rejoiced and shouted and praised God. You know what the Bible says in that passage the older men were doing? They were crying. They were weeping. Because this, they had seen the real thing. They had seen the real. But see, this young generation... They didn't have that frame of reference. They thought this is the real deal. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a minute here. Listen, listen to this. Jesus said in 1997, Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin and said this, there is a move of the Spirit that will be lost to a generation if you don't teach them. People know very little about the move of the Spirit. Teach people to flow with the Holy Ghost. Then Dr. Dufresne made this statement. There is coming a move and outpouring of the Spirit of God and the power of God if we don't abort it. Yeah. Dr. Dufresne said this. Unless we have a genuine revival soon, a whole generation of ministers will not recognize the movings of the Holy Ghost or how to flow with the things of the Spirit. And it's coming to pass.
coming to pass. Let me close with this statement. This is an excerpt out of Brother uh, Dr. Dufresne's uh, book called uh, Anointings and Mantles. I, do we have that book in the bookstore? Anointing? I think we do. Anointing, it's the green and bluish book from Dr. Dufresne. Here's an excerpt, short excerpt from his book. Let's get back. Let's get back to Pentecost. Let's get back to believing in the offices of the apostle and prophet. Let's get back to the things of the Spirit. Let's get back to these specialty anointings because they're going to be increased. And if we don't want to go with it, if we don't want to go with it, he'll pass us over and go to another group that's hungry. But I'm not missing it. If the Lutherans get hungry and get it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to get ordained with them. I'm going with the Holy Ghost. Now listen, you can't settle down. WHC, we can't settle down. Because one visitor didn't like it. Right? We got to be a fast moving train. And yes, praise God, people are going to come in. They don't know. They're not there. But if they want to, if they're really hungry, they'll stay long enough to learn. The hungry, I, when I, man, I was Methodist like Methodist. And there's nothing wrong with being Methodist. I learned, I grew, I loved Jesus. But then I got exposed to that flow. I didn't know anything about it. But I was hungry. I wasn't hungry to get deceived. I wasn't hungry to get pulled into kookiness. But I was hungry for God. And there was something inside me that says, I don't understand that, but I want it. Whatever they have. And I was, that hunger kept me around long enough to learn. And we're going to make it easy for people to hook on with us here at WHC. We want that. We want that. But more than we want more to hook on, we need to want the move of the Spirit. That's where our power is. That's where our effect is going to be in this region, is in the Spirit. Learning how to move with God. Learning how to flow with God. Learning how to respond to God. Because, again, like my family's learning how to do that in different flows. Uh, I recognize my son, okay, that's the enemy when, when that feeling comes. And here's how to get rid of it. See, he's developing skill. He's 14. Come on. Hallelujah. Trying to finish this. So you just can't settle down and do it the way it's always been done. By faith, you've got to reach out and say, Father... For this move in this era, what do you want me to do? How about we could close with that tonight, right? Father, for this move, for this era, what's my part? What do you want me to do? He'll speak to us, each one individually, right? Don't think yesterday's ways will work. It's the day of the move of the Spirit. And it's going to take faith to reach forward into the next realm. It's going to take faith to reach forward into the next phase. It's going to take faith to reach more into miracles, signs, and wonders. You can have as much as you reach for. Come on. How much will God give us here at the church? As much as we'll reach for. So reach for it with your faith and say, I'm not staying where I've been. Come on, say that out loud. I'm not staying where I've been. But I'm moving forward to the abundance that's in front of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
We, since the 1987 visitation with Jesus and Brother Hagen, we are 32 years away from that moment where Jesus told Brother Hagen, you've gone, talking about the body of Christ, you've gone as far as you can go. I can't, meaning spiritually, I can't take you on further until you get some things straight. One of them was praise and worship. Biblical, true praise and worship. Learning how to reverence Him. Learning how to respond to Him. <laughs> right? And then He passed off the scene in 2003, and the church went a different direction. Church, we've got to get back to Pentecost. Amen. If we're going to get into the end of the age, we've got to go back to the beginning and emphasize the baptism with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, and living full of the Spirit, whatever that looks like. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. People, people like Audrey, they're not going to know unless we tell them. We, we were at those meetings and people were so overcome with the presence of God and the power of the Spirit. The ushers had, pre, they had prearranged taxi cab services to a line up outside the front of the church and the ushers would pick people up by their hands and ankles. And the cabbie would open up the door and they'd go, what hotel? The Holiday Inn. And they'd throw them in the back. And say, on you. They were so overcome with the power of God. And they just, the ushers would just pitch people into the cab that had come from all over the world to take part in that outpouring and that move of the Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you are saying, don't do that to me, Father. <laughs> Listen, we'll see. Just, you just need to get, out, get, get over yourself. Amen. You're sitting here, so everybody out there thinks you agree anyway. <laughs> it's too late for you. They think you're one of us. And it's good to be one of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. You could stand up tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, aren't you going to have some big demonstration? Probably not tonight. You can go home and have one. I've been I've eaten carpet on my face in my little apartment in Norman, Oklahoma, me and a prayer buddy, overcome by the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I just wanted to stir the pot tonight. There's a move of the Spirit. By hook or by crook, by many or by few, as, as I'm, the, I'm the leader of this ministry, this is where I'm heading. This is where we're going. This is what I'm contending for. This is what we tell people in new members class. We're contending for biblical, balanced experiences in God. Amen. So Father...